You are listening to the Mic Drop Sports Podcast, dropping the mic on the top stories in sports. Now give it up for your hosts, Mike Schneid and Zach Stein. Welcome to the Mic Drop Sports Podcast. It's been a few weeks. The Raptors are the NBA champs. Shout out to Jody Meeks. The Raptors started with Bargnani. Now they're here. What does that mean for Kawhi Leonard's future as free agency is near? Kyle Lowry got off the schneid, and the NBA offseason is now going to be a wild ride. Anthony Davis is finally in L.A. with LeBron James, as the Lakers hope they win a lot more games. After trading Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, could L.A.'s next move be Chris Paul? The NBA draft is this Thursday. What will Zach and I have to say? As we do our annual mock, the Pelicans are currently on the clock. Whew, what is up? Thanks for tuning in. The Mike Drop Sports Podcast can be found on MikeDropSports.com iTunes, Spotify, Radio.com. Mike Schneid here along with Zach Stein. We appreciate you listening. And as I alluded to in the opener, it's been a few weeks since we've talked, buddy. There's a lot that's happened, specifically in the NBA. There has been a lot going on. I've been waiting for this day on your vacation. I was tracking it through Instagram and Facebook. Looks like you guys had a great time. It was awesome. So the worst part about this vacation in Europe is that there's a six-hour time difference. So the NBA Finals was 3 a.m. So I did catch some of it at when I was traveling. I was able to catch the fourth quarter sometimes in the morning, which is a weird feeling. But I was able to watch enough, and I was able to see that the Raptors dominated that series, in my opinion. I, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things to say. I guess my first question to you is, is there an asterisk on this win, or did the Raptors just beat the Warriors? You know, I, I love this conversation about the asterisk. And we got to actually look back on the past few NBA finals to really throw away this asterisk away. When the Warriors first beat the Cavs in the finals, Kyrie Irving went down. Matthew Della Vadova started at point guard <laughs> for that Cavaliers team with, uh, with LeBron James. So, like, th- there were so many injuries that have gone, like, around in the, the finals these past few years. And obviously, you know, I, I do feel like we got robbed of a great series. Uh, obviously, you know, getting very limited Durant. And of the limited Durant that we saw, he looked incredible before his horrific injury. Um, I mean, we, we didn't have Clay Thompson in every game. And then again, he got hurt. So I just feel like we got robbed of a great series. But I think we cannot downplay how great Toronto was. Kawhi Leonard... I think just solidified himself as a top three player in this league. Uh, Kyle Lowry, like you mentioned, got off the schneid. He played tremendous and was a huge role. And the the better team came out and won. That's that's just how it happened. Yeah, I agree. The better team won. Um, I think where we got, where where fans got screwed is with Clay Thompson. He was on his way to some historical type of game in game six. And if he didn't get hurt, I think they would have won game six. I don't know if they would have won game seven, but it would have been cool to see it. Part of me is actually relieved that they lost game six because without Clay, without Durant, I don't think that would have been much of a contest had they gotten to seven. I think the Raptors would have blown them out, but it was, I'm surprised. So the last time we talked, you had, you said Warriors Raptors in the finals and I said the Bucks. And the reason why I was so high on the Bucks was I felt that their role players were strong and I felt that they were going to step up. And I didn't trust that some of these young Raptors, some of these guys that hadn't been there before, and I know the Bucs hadn't been there either. I just didn't have as much faith in the Raptors' role players. And really, that's why they won the championship. Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam. I mean, these are, the, these are the guys that I didn't think would elevate their games, and they really took it to the next level. How many fans did Fred Van Vliet get throughout these playoffs? Holy moly. I mean, since the time that his kid was born, and then obviously he was injured for a, the better half of like the second half of the season and then really kind of came back a little bit. And then, but like after his son was born, he went on this tear. Holy cow. He's going to get paid. Yeah. He wasn't actually that good this year, especially in the no. playoffs. But yeah, he went on some type of tear, but like you said, Kawhi, and I think part of it is Kawhi Leonard. I, I don't know. I didn't have a whole lot of faith in Kawhi Leonard. I never really have. I, I he just, he really is. He, I mean, he was the best player throughout the playoffs, and he just—he was dominant. There's not a whole lot to say about it. I'm a Kawhi truther now. 
I I doubted him just like you. I I wasn't a fan. Obviously, I didn't know all the details. Yep. So obviously, uh, I'm just such a quiet truther now that I don't know all the details that what happened in San Antonio and the how injured he may have been there to get him to sit out. But now the guy has gone on and beat the Miami Super Team. Then he goes on an insane run in the East. That and this is the most talented. East Eastern Conference playoffs that we've seen in a long time from top to bottom. Yes. So they they went through and they they just absolutely kicked ass. They beat the Sixers, they beat the Bucks, like that's all you could ask for. And then they go and they and obviously, you know, the Warriors were a little injured, but then they beat the dominant Warriors team. So Kawhi Leonard has essentially ended two of the most dominant teams we've seen in quite some time. And there hasn't been a true second star on either of those teams that he's won on. He has literally done this with himself as the star and then a really, really good supporting cast. No second star, just a good supporting cast. It's just him being the best player on the court at all times. Yeah, I think the best comparison to this Raptors team is probably the Mavericks. Yeah, with with Dirk. With Dirk Nowitzki and then a bunch of just really good role players. And that's what the Raptors are. They're, you know, in this era of dynasties and super teams, they're just Kawhi. I mean, they... This team really came together, and Masai Ujiri should get all the credit in the world because he was criticized heavily. He traded the franchise. He traded DeMar DeRozan to get Kawhi. That could have easily blown up. I mean, Kawhi could have been unhappy. He could have gotten hurt again. Look, I, as a Knicks fan, I was against trading Porzingis and assets to get Kawhi because I just didn't trust how healthy he was. You didn't know... Like you said before, we don't know what happened last year. You don't. So it's hard to, like, put all this blind faith in him. Masai Ujiri did, traded their best player to get Kawhi, fired the coach of the year, hired a complete unknown. Now, all of a sudden, that complete unknown becomes the third coach in the last five years to win the championship in his first season as head coach. And Kawhi's a two-time finals MVP. So all the credit in the world to Ujiri. It's incredible. I remember when that trade came down, and it's just this Raptors team has been always so close, and LeBron James has gotten their way. And then finally LeBron James leaves the East, and then they trade DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi. And and obviously you look at it. I mean, those two-star players, it it was an interesting deal. And obviously, you know, you need a change. But it's like you wonder, obviously, Kawhi, this is a blockbuster trade, and it's a home-run trade for the Raptors now that we know. But it's like you want to know if maybe – they would have had that same success if they kept the Rosen without uh, LeBron in the East. So it's tough, but uh, you know, I, I, I do feel for DeMar cause it would have been fun if he was able to be there on that championship team, but you know, good for Kyle Lowry, good for Toronto fans. Cause uh, that's a pretty cool win. It is. And it's, what's amazing to me is that after all, like there's a lot of discussion before the season, Chris Bosch, Vince Carter, DeMar DeRozan, who's the best player in Raptors history. I don't think there's any question that it's the guy that played 60 regular season games, Kawhi Leonard. And the one other thing about Kawhi, and I have to shout out um, Jordan Rappaport for this because we were texting about this that night. I can't get over the way that this game ended and the way that Kawhi Leonard acted. Calling for the end one, yelling at the rest, and give me that belt, give me that bucket. I don't think he understood what happened. They won the championship. Don't you want to go celebrate while you're trying to shoot free throws? And it delayed the game by 10 minutes. It was the most absurd ending to a championship I've ever seen. It really was a very <laughs> anticlimactic end of that game. It, it was very strange. Um, but, yeah, I, it's going to be really funny. Like, if Kawhi doesn't re-sign with the Raptors, he's going to go down still as the greatest player in that history just because he was able to deliver a championship. It's just that's how amazing sports are is if you can come there and win – you are a legend for life. And that's what he's done for this franchise that, that won its first ever championship. And, and he deserves that honor. And I personally, I mean, obviously he has every right to now go and flirt with free agency, but I would love to see him resign with Toronto and just, and let this be his team going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk about him and his future and the Raptors and their odds of winning next year. I love the way that they built this team. The way that they got Kyle Lowry seven years ago 
was trading Gary Forbes and a future first round pick, which by the way, that future first round pick was rerouted and part of a trade for James Harden, which is funny. And then they got Serge Ibaka for Terrence Ross. The only reason they got Serge Ibaka was because the Magic traded Domantas, Sabonis, and your boy Oladipo. And then those two guys got rerouted for Paul George. So, and then they got Marcus Sol at the trade deadline. So, an interesting team. I think I saw something that they were the first team in 50 years to not have a lottery pick in the finals. So, and then that 2016 draft, they took Pascal Siakam, 27, Fred Van Vliet undrafted, and Yako Pertle went number nine. They got him through the Andrea Bargnani trade and flipped him for Kawhi Leonard. So the Knicks get a lot of credit in this championship win, but let's talk about Kawhi because obviously all the talk has been about him being a free agent. In your opinion, does he stay or does he go? It, this is going to be the weird I, – I really don't know because <laughs> uh, it's, it's like he doesn't owe this team anything. Obviously, he got traded there. Um, with a lot of question marks, and then ended up winning. So he's already now succeeded. So now in the first time in his career, he has the opportunity to go decide who he wants to go play for. And I think that's one of the coolest things in sports, is that, you know, you're an athlete, you work so hard your entire life, and for guys, you either get to choose what college you want to if you're, for, if you're an amazing prospect, or if you're sort of ignored like Kawhi was, and you go under the radar like, then you don't get to go and choose where you get to play. You only get to choose wherever you get offered from, and then you go and get drafted. Obviously, he got very fortunate, got drafted by the Spurs and got great coaching and was able to win a championship there. And then he gets injured, what not have you, and then he gets traded to Toronto and then wins there. So really for the first time in his life, he gets to decide where he wants to go play. And I think that's just something you don't turn down. So maybe, you know, if he loved what he has in Toronto, then he stays. But you have to just go respect him to let him go figure now this out for the, really the first time in his life. So I'm going to phrase the question differently then. If you don't know where he's going to go, if you were him, given the options, given the landscape, what would you do if you were in Kawhi Leonard's shoes? I would go, I would either stay with Toronto or I would go with a team that has the similar build as that Toronto team. So really like the Clippers, to be honest, because this guy has proven he can win by himself. I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to cop out. And I know the Lakers have a max. I don't, he's not going to go sign. I'd be, I think the world would be shocked if he goes signs with the Lakers and plays with LeBron and Anthony Davis. I think uh, that would be the coolest team ever, but I don't think he's that kind of guy. Um, so I can't really see him teaming up with any of these big guns. And, this Clippers team is all the right pieces are there for a great supporting cast for him. So for me, I think it's 50, 50 between Raptors and Clippers, which I think make most sense for him. Yeah. Those are the only two teams. I agree with everything you said about the Lakers and the Clippers. If, if he leaves, in my opinion, the Clippers are the only team that makes sense. I think he stays. I really do. I think he stays for two words. Load management. We don't know what happened last year with the Spurs, but something happened with there was mis, there was mistrust, and you know he fell out of favor with the with management. I think he's going to stay because he knows how they're going to treat him. He knows that you know I don't think he played more than nine games in a row this year. He never played back to back games. They managed his load very wisely so that he was fresh and ready for the playoffs. And in the playoffs, he was the best player in the world. And I think that's going to go a long way. I think he's going to care about that. And I think he's going to – I think that's why he's going to stay because he knows that he can trust this team and this coach and this organization that they have his best interests in mind. You know, going to the Clippers is kind of going to the unknown. I think he'll sign a smaller contract. I don't think he'll get the five-year max. I think it'll be a three-year deal with an opt-out after two to give him a little bit of flexibility. I mean, we all know his personality isn't the greatest. I don't think he wants to be in L.A. I don't think – he doesn't want to be with the Lakers. I mean, that's going to be a circus with Davis and LeBron. I think he likes being in Toronto. He's kind of under the radar. They don't get a ton of love from the media. He's got the whole country behind him. But, I, yeah, I just I think he's going to stay. 
I, I probably wouldn't think this way if they didn't win the championship, but I think the championship swayed me that he'll choose the Raptors over the Clippers. I think it'd be really cool of him to say. I think that would be a big statement to, to just exactly what you said. That's a team that managed them really well. Um, they played, you know, 60 games. They get a lot of rest. And, and you can even tell. I thought, you know, there were some games late in the fourth quarter where it looked like – I mean, he still played fantastic in these games. But you can tell he was a step slower in the fourth quarter. So you can maybe see at, like, these end of these games where he maybe was tired and just wasn't ready to go. But, like, now that he's getting healthier and healthier and they're going to load management or whatever, um, you know, going forward, he's going to be that fresh guy going forward when, he, when he's required to play 35 minutes, 40 minutes a game. And I, I really hope he does stay. I think that'd be really cool for the NBA for that to happen. I agree. It would be very cool. And I also really hope that the Raptors get a Christmas game. They've only been on Christmas once in 2001. So whether Kawhi stays or not, please, NBA, put the defending champions on, on ABC on Christmas Day. Give the Canadian kids what they want. Um, but let's talk about the Warriors. I want to talk about the Raptors being the favorites if they keep Kawhi because the NBA is going to be wide open next year. Because the Warriors just, the way that this dynasty probably ended was just, it was disgusting. It was horrible. I forget my obvious biases with the Knicks and with free agency. I'm just a basketball fan. I love watching Clay. I absolutely love Kevin Durant. So I'm heartbroken for both of them. Um, this wasn't the way that this was supposed to end. No, it's very, it's crazy. In that game five and game six, that literally the the entire NBA free agency changed because of an Achilles and an ACL tear. Everything has changed. And everything. everything. <laughs> I for sure thought Durant was gonna leave the Warriors. I thought the Warriors would keep Clay Thompson. Now the the crazy thing is Kevin Durant has a player option for thirty million to opt in. We know he's gonna be out for the entire year maybe even miss the playoffs next year, maybe come back for the playoffs. Now, some people are so confident. Oh, you know, teams are still going to offer him this max deal or not. But I'm like, they're still going to offer him that max deal in a year, regardless. They know he's already out. So why not opt in for the $30 million, sit and relax, recover. If the Warriors make the playoffs, come back in the playoffs, prove your worth again, and go get a max deal again right after that. And then the same thing, the Warriors have come out and said that they want to keep Clay anyways. So, and he's going to be out for the year too. So it's like, and then now that makes, because the Warriors, if they're going forward with that team and those two guys stay, it's Steph and what we just saw, a very scrub team built around them. So they might not even make the playoffs if it's just Steph in this current roster right now. So that opens up the whole West to change. So now obviously the Lakers with this Anthony Davis thing, their odds have gone up, but the Rockets are about to blow up stuff. Uh, it sounds like, uh, and then, and then, yeah. If Kawhi stays, why wouldn't the Raptors be the the best team going forward? I don't. I agree that Clay Thompson's going to stay. He, I think he would have stayed. He would have gotten the max injury or no. I still think he's going to stay, and probably get the full max because for the Warriors, quite frankly, they're over the cap regardless. If they let Clay walk, they can't replace him. So I think he's going to stay. He'll rehab there. The Durant thing is so complicated to me because we don't know if he trusts the Warriors. So I like what you said, that he can opt in for 30 mil and he can kind of chill this year. But if he doesn't trust the Warriors staff and, and their medical and their doctors, I don't know that he would say unless he just opts in and then just goes and chills in New York where he is now with, with his own personal doctors and just gets 30 million from the Warriors, which which might work. I agree. I mean, if a team offers him – team's going to offer him the max now. The max is going to be there next year. My – where I'm conflicted now as a Knicks fan is, is Durant still worth it? Because you can only sign him for four years, so you're going to lose year one, and year two might be a bust because it's going to take him a year to kind of get back. No one's ever come back from an Achilles injury the way that they were before. Obviously, Durant is a special talent. The guy's determined he's going to work his ass off. He's still a great shooter. But he's going to lose a little bit of explosiveness off the dribble. I mean, obviously, you know, when it happened to Kobe, Kobe was at the tail end of his career. So that's a little bit different. But it, that essentially, 
ended Kobe's career. Who knows? Kobe might have played an extra year if he never got that Achilles tendon injury. Um, it happened with, I mean, Chauncey Billups again. It was at the end of his career when he was on the Clippers. Uh, no one's really come back from this injury in any sport because of how tricky that tendon is and how important it is to your body. So it's super risky. Like, if I was a team that wanted him, I'd, it's like I'd want him to opt in with, uh, with the Warriors so that first year you don't have to just lose out on him. No, I agree. I mean, I hope he does opt in, and then I hope the next cap series rolls over and they can go after what would hopefully be a healthy Kevin Durant in 2020. But if you hear reports otherwise, then, you know, you know, you got a lucky break. But it's also an unlucky break because – whether the Knicks were going to get him or not, fans lose out on a year of Kevin Durant. And like you said, he might never be the same. I agree. I think his explosiveness will be a little bit down. I do think he'll be a completely – he'll be a changed player, but he'll still be an unbelievable scorer because he doesn't have to run around the gym. He can just shoot the ball now for the next 12 months. And he'll work on his upper body strength, and he's just going to shoot. So – He'll come back a different player. I still think he'll be a very good player. Maybe not the top two or three player that we're used to. And the Warriors dynasty is over. It's really, it's sad, honestly, the way that it happened. But it opens up the door wide open, really for the first time in a very long time. Uh, There's no true favorite. But right now, Vegas says the Lakers is the favorites. And I understand why today they might be considered the favorites, but why on earth were they the favorites the morning after the championship? It was based off the assumption of getting Anthony Davis, which they did, but this is the team that hasn't made the playoffs at the last six seasons, and it's a team that has proven time and time again that they're incompetent and don't make good decisions. But it's your team. It's your, it's your superstar. The floor is yours. Anthony Davis is a Laker. Well, I'm super excited because, I mean, we've spent multiple segments <laughs> on multiple podcasts about a hypothetical Anthony Davis trade. So I'm excited and that it's over so we don't have to talk about hypotheticals it's over. anymore. And it happened with the package I was comfortable with the Lakers giving. They kept Kyle Kuzma, who I really love. I think he's the perfect third or fourth scoring option on a Lakers team built with LeBron James, Kawhi, and or sorry, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and then and they still have money to sign another guy or or maybe spread it around a couple guys and really get deep or whatever. Um, but they, they used the four, number four pick, Lonzo uh, and Ingram and Josh Hart to go get Anthony Davis. And, and Anthony Davis has said that he wants to, to be in L.A., so I have full confidence in signing him for a long-term deal. So he's the the star as LeBron fades a little bit, and I think it's it's a home run deal for both teams. Let, let's let, let's be real here. The Pelicans made an amazing deal. Yeah, let's look at it from the Lakers' standpoint. They, they had to do it, even if they gave yeah. Kuzman the deal. This had to happen, especially after everything that happened in January and February with this team. They didn't have a choice. Um, David Griffin did an unbelievable job of getting the package that he did, but kudos to the Lakers. They got their superstar. They got their guy, and now they have the space to go surround him. The thing that is intri- that really intrigues me about the Lakers, no one has ever won a title doing what they're doing. This is unprecedented roster building, really going from scratch. Every other super team we've ever seen has had some type of core, some type of stability. The Lakers' front office, we know, is in shambles. They have a new head coach in Frank Vogel. Only LeBron and, I assume, Kyle Kuzma, unless he's traded for someone else, are going to return. That's not really a core. That's just two guys. So they're going to build an entire team from scratch, and I'm really fascinated to see how it goes. The thing with the Pelicans, I was, like you said, we spent so many segments on this, and I've been adamant for so long that this wasn't the best trade offer. Sounds like the Celtics didn't go all in. I want to talk about the Celtics later. But I do love it for the Pelicans for two reasons. One is the timing of it. When the Lakers were offering all these picks, it didn't sound like the pick was going to be that exciting. The fact that the Lakers sort of won the lottery in their own regard and got the number four pick, that's a huge asset now. For, and then the Pelicans winning the lottery, 
they have Zion Williamson. So if you make this trade in February, Brandon Ingram becomes the best player or becomes the number two player behind Drew Holiday. And really all you have are the Lakers, <laughs> the Lakers and Drew Holiday. Now you have Zion and Drew Holiday and the number four pick and these two guys from the Lakers. So now they're more complimentary than they would have been in February. That's why I like it so much for the Pelicans. Yeah, I, them knowing that they had Zion coming in made it so much easier for them to trade Anthony Davis for a package like this. Because now you do have this really young, good core. And Drew Holiday is a stud. Like, that guy is really underrated, really good player. He's going to help really run that offense. And it's going to be an exciting team to watch because it's going to be young and full of talent. And so, you know, best of luck to the Pelicans. Hopefully they're successful. But it's uh, now it's Lakers time. And it's fun with the Lakers and, and what you mean about rebuilding. So when LeBron first came, obviously they, they signed guys like Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, uh, JaVale McGee. Uh, they traded for Tyson Chandler in the middle of the year. They, they had a hodgepodge of things. But, and it was because they couldn't get that second max guy. But now they just traded it. So now there's no more like this La La Land of, oh, LeBron's here, stars are coming. Well, now we got the star. We have Anthony Davis. So now when you have guys of free agency like Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, that don't need to do any work of talking with people, they can just be quartered now by LeBron and Anthony Davis. Hey, come be our third guy. Let's be the best team on paper like the NBA has almost ever seen, and let's go win some championships. I think this really opens the door to go get one of those guys, maybe even Kemba Walker in that conversation as well. Uh, I don't want them to get Chris Paul. I know we mentioned Chris Paul, you know, before, but now that we have Anthony Davis locked in, I think Chris Paul uh, just, nope. I, I, I know he's friends with LeBron. I just, I think he's a little bit of a cancer right now. Old age, it's time to go get Jimmy Butler, Kyrie, or Kemba as the third guy and really solidify being a dominant force in the West. My whole thing with the Lakers, and this is why them being the favorites before this trade really bothered me, I understand that now they have their second max superstar. So now it's a lot easier to build a roster. But what gives you the confidence that they can? Because last year they still had LeBron. And the obvious decision was, let's go sign some shooters to surround LeBron because that's how he wins. Instead, they signed Michael Beasley and Lance Stevenson. So what gives you confidence that they're going to make the right decision. And what gives you the confidence that players are going to want to play? You know, quite frankly, LeBron has baggage. Anthony Davis has baggage. And you know that they're both run by the same guy, by clutch agency. So the first width of, like, trouble, first width of drama, they're going to get that guy shipped out. So I'm not positive that somebody's going to want to play with these two. It's possible. I mean, there's already rumors that Kyrie wanted to play with Anthony Davis and that he's open to returning with LeBron James. So there's already those rumors going on. It's just it, – it's a more idealistic package. So, like, I, I know we, like, sort of talked about this in the past where it was like, oh, we're going to get Kevin Durant to the Knicks and then we're going to be able to get maybe Kyrie or someone like that. But it's like there was so much what-ifs to go in that. It's like you first had the land Durant and you had the land that second star. The Lakers – Went and got LeBron last year, so home run move. It doesn't matter if he's the cancer or not. You got LeBron, one of the best players ever. And now you go and trade. You, you, have, you made a trade that you had to make, Anthony Davis. They could have screwed up by not doing it. They got the trade done. They kept Kuzma. So they have three really good players, and they have a ton of money to go spend. Now, if they go get a max guy like Jimmy Butler, uh, Kemba, or Kyrie, you're talking about those three with one of those guys. That is a ridiculous four. Now you're talking about now it's guys who are going to want to go chase championships again. So you're going to get those guys, those veterans, who are going to take these deals. And it's going to be better than the Lance Stevenson's, Rajon Rondo's. And they, I think they might keep Rajon Rondo if, if they don't get Kemba or Kyrie, if it's end up Jimmy Butler. And then you get these veterans who can just be these glue guys and let these three superstars go to work, and then you have a very comp- good complimentary score uh, in Kuzma as the fourth option. So there's just – obviously, it has to happen for them to happen, but obviously now I, I sort of agree with the odds a little bit now with just the Warriors and the shape of that going with 
just LeBron and AD and the possibilities of what they can build for being favorites. But yeah, before that trade happened, them being favorites was just, oh, they have money <laughs> and LeBron, something's going to happen, so we have to make them the favorites. So if you took the Lakers at those odds, or even taking them now, it's just, you're, you're not getting a good bang for your buck. I'm sorry. And the crazier thing was the Knicks had really high odds, which maybe two weeks ago made sense under the hypothetical that they might sign Durant. But the odds that came out the other day, the Knicks are still 12 to 1. There's no realistic move that the Knicks can make to win a championship next year. Their only play was Durant. And even if they get Durant, he's not playing. So I don't know why the Knicks are 12 to 1. I think those odds are all insane. My, here's my last thought on the Lakers, though, because you keep talking about a max guy. I don't think that's what they should do. I think they should go get shooters. I think they should go get a guy like Bojan Bogdanovic, who might, I know these guys aren't that exciting, but Bogdan Bogdanovic, Wesley Matthews, Marcus Morris, JJ Reddick, guys like that, that you know can shoot and that you can surround LeBron and Anthony Davis with and really spread the floor. I would rather get two of those guys, two, maybe three, than have a Jimmy Butler. And I can keep, agree with and that. And then you keep Rajon Rondo, because I really like that idea. Because now he has the chemistry with LeBron from here. I like the idea of keeping Rajon Rondo. No, and I agree with that too. Like I, I don't. I definitely. If if we were gonna do a, a max guy, I actually value Jimmy Butler the most of those three, because I know LeBron's won a championship with Kyrie. But like when you have LeBron and you have Anthony Davis, you don't need a ball dominant point guard. And Rajon Rondo is just so good at distributing the ball where he's, like, going to be a perfect fix with whatever kind of team you put in. And so, for me, it's like Jimmy Butler and the defense aspect uh, of what he can bring to the table excites me the most as a third max guy. But then you're right. I love J.J. Redick. I like Bohan Bagdanovich. You do need shooters. And the funny thing was the worst move that the Lakers did last year was not re-signing Brooke Lopez. Yeah, that they. I mean, they've admitted that they. Yeah, they really that was, regret that. And it sounds like they might bring him back. One other note on Rajon Rondo that actually just came to me: playoff Rondo, the only playoff series Anthony Davis had ever won was two seasons ago with Rajon Rondo. So they have chemistry also. So now I really think it makes sense to keep I, Rondo. I think it, I would be shocked if Rondo is not on the Lakers next year. I know I mentioned Chris Paul in the opener. It was sort of a joke because it rhymed with Lonzo Ball, but. The Chris Paul thing makes a lot of sense to me. He's just so much money. Well, that's the whole problem is I don't know how he gets there. Um, I don't, the Lakers aren't going to fill their cap space with him, and they obviously have no contracts to send out. If there's a way to do a three-team trade, if for some reason they want I, – I don't think they could buy him out. He's got four years left. But if there's any way possible to get Chris Paul to L.A. without completely destroying – the franchise in the process, I would do it because I think he still has a little bit to offer. And I know his buddies with LeBron. Might as well just go reunite the whole banana boat, bring in Chris Paul, bring in Carmelo on a minimum no, contract. No, don't bring and, in Carmelo. And maybe Dwayne, Dwayne Wade will unretire too. Who knows? The whole banana no. boat in LA. That team won't win. I don't want that. The banana boat wearing yellow. Nope, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not okay <laughs> with that. But you keep mentioning Kyrie and Kemba as options for the Lakers. This Kemba thing is bizarre to me because all reports say that he's going to stay in Charlotte. They'll offer him a little bit less than the Supermax, which is still a significant amount more than Knicks or anybody else can offer him. But he's going to stay in Charlotte, which is kind of depressing because I love Kemba Walker and I never watched the Hornets and they really, the team is not good. And they don't have any avenue to get better because their cap sheet is filled up by Guys like Nick Batum, Marvin Williams, and no disrespect, but Cody Zeller. You're right. The, the, the Hornets are a sad excuse for franchise. Kemba Walker is one of the best players in the NBA that no one gets to watch unless you live in Charlotte. They're never on TV. And he is... If you're in, if you're in Charlotte, I do don't know either. Um, but <laughs> it, it's, it, it's a shame because this is a guy who stole the national spotlight when he was in college and did a miraculous run with UConn to win the national championship, basically put the team on his back and, and got him there. And, and then he's been just rotting in the NBA, just putting up ridiculous stats where no one's been able to see him. I wouldn't, I don't know why he wants to stay in Charlotte. 
resign. Obviously, you get paid to just be loyal, but like you're never gonna make the playoffs. I know. I I'm really selfishly hoping. I mean, I don't want him to go to the Lakers, but I hope he goes literally anywhere else. He should go to the Knicks. He should win. Kemba Walker, I mean, R.J. Barrett, the future backcourt of the Knicks. Let's make it happen. I mean, I would kill to have Kemba. I love <laughs> Kemba. I would do anything to get him on the Knicks. But didn't I mean the Knicks could sign a point guard? They're not going to get Kyrie Irving. The Kyrie Irving thing is really, really bizarre to me. Um, and I think, and this is not a bitter Knicks fan talking. I, th- I only wanted Kyrie Irving if we could get him with the rent because I don't think he should be the face of a franchise after what happened in Boston. But I think it's a huge mistake if he goes to the Nets. The whole reason why the Nets are this exciting young franchise on the rise is because of the way that D'Angelo Russell played and the chemistry that that team built. You're throwing everything away by getting rid of D'Angelo Russell and bringing in what seems like a locker room nightmare in Kyrie Irving. So I think chemistry matters. I think leadership matters. And I think Russell is a much better... There's no debate that Kyrie Irving is a far superior player than D'Angelo Russell. I just think Russell fits that team perfectly. And the Nets would be better off spending their money on getting Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, Tobias Harris to pair with that young core because I think a guy like that can elevate them. Kyrie Irving on his own is not going to elevate the Nets into the upper echelon of the East. And I agree. And then if he signs the Nets, D'Angelo Russell's gone. And we just saw what Kyrie did with the young, promising, talented team. He didn't do anything. And I would hate the, – the Nets were a surprising team last year. And this is a good team that could get better with D'Angelo Russell. So I, I think the Nets, it would be a shame for him to sign with the Nets. And it's a weird move for Kyrie because if you're going to go to the Nets, why don't you just go to the Knicks? Why don't you just go to the Lakers at that point and go win a championship? It's, it seems like a weird move, but he's a weird dude. And I will say, this move is happening. Whether anybody likes it or not or whether anybody wants to believe that it's happening – According to my friend's wife's co-worker's doorman, yes, I know this is a stretch, Kyrie Irving is moving into a beautiful apartment building in Brooklyn. I'm just saying this is what I've been told secondhand, is that a doorman in Brooklyn swears that Kyrie has a lease and that he'll sign on July 1st. So, we'll see. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> so, free agency, that's not till June 30th. The NBA draft, though, is this Thursday, and you and I love the draft. I know we did the NFL draft stuff, but I feel like for you personally, this is a whole different beast because of how close you are to college basketball. Yeah, college basketball, I mean, this is something I watch. I've watched a majority of these players play um, a lot of games, and so it's fun. And this is a very, very talented draft class. There are really good players i uh, projecting to go late in this round. And there's guys that are talented that I don't even have going in the first round. So, like, this is, this is a great year for, for rebuilding. And, obviously, it's highlighted by one of the most fun players we've ever watched in college ever, Zion Williamson. Yeah, I totally agree. We were doing our mock draft. And we're going to do the, the lottery on this episode, but our full mock draft between me, Zach, and our friend Jordan Rappaport is going to be on MikeDropSports.com uh, later tonight. So check that out. And, yeah, when I was doing it, I was struggling to fill some guys that I thought were really talented and are definitely first-round picks that I couldn't fit them into the first round and some guys that I thought were lottery picks that I couldn't fit. So it's a deeper draft than people will let you believe. Yes, there are three really, really great players, but – and I, I do think that there's a big gap between three and four, but the gap between four and like 22 is very minimal. And that's where I think the depth in this draft, draft is. I agree with that. It, it's, it's all, you're getting a home run name to come to your team in the first round this year. And there's so many different ways. I was playing around with it all day, and I'm like, oh, I can see this team pick like one of five players in each slot. So it's, it's going to be really, really hard. And I'm super excited to watch because I just, I'm excited to see where these guys go. I'm excited to watch it too. And to watch it on TV and not be there. So I went, I used to go all the time as a kid. And the last time I went, I think was 2013. 
And it's such an unpleasant experience because of this stupid antiquated rule where they don't actually trade picks while teams are on the clock like the NFL. So the Lakers are going to go out and they're going to make the number four pick on Thursday. And some guy is going to put on a Lakers hat who's never going to play for the Lakers. And when you're there, it's just a really unpleasant experience because you're on your phone the whole time trying to track Twitter to see who teams are going to get. But there's no reason to track Twitter or there's no suspense with the number one pick. We've known for many months that's going to be Zion Williamson. We know that the Pelicans won the lottery. I do love the I do love the fit. I love that they added some of these young guys. They also got the number four pick. The one thing I want to say about the Pelicans that I didn't say before about that trade, I really like Lonzo Ball in New Orleans. And I don't know if he's going to be there long term. There's talk that they might try to move him. I just think from day one, there was too much pressure on him. The people made him out to be the next Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson made him out to be the next Magic Johnson. And I just always felt that the pressure was too high. The talk from his father, being a local kid, he can go to New Orleans. He'll be under the radar. Hopefully he can get healthy because that's been a huge issue for him. And I think Drew Holiday is going to be a great mentor for him. And I'm excited to see how he can develop in New Orleans, especially with Zion Williamson. Yeah, I agree. It's it, He's going to be put in with a lot of talent and a lot of guys. I mean, he's a great playmaker, and he's with great athletes. I mean, Drew Holiday is a great scorer at the guard position. Zion Williamson can go get any alley-oop that he's going to throw up out there. Brandon Ingram has, uh, you know, great talent as well. So he's going to have all these playmakers around him to succeed and be sort of under the radar. And I'm hoping this is the last of real LeVar ball talk that we're getting because now he's getting out of the LA spotlight. The, the mellows going to Australia or whatever for a year. Hopefully we're done with LeVar ball. Is LaMelo going to be the number one pick? In no, 2020? he's going to go undrafted. <laughs> Polly, the guy's a bum. Watch any stupid highlight film. He just chucks from 40 <laughs> feet and bricks. The kid is terrible. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm really intrigued. I do think he's talented. But he does just chuck. I'm really – I wish he was playing college, but I am intrigued to see what happens with him. It would be – he'd be must-watch television <laughs> to college. The only thing that we're – I mean, we're just really getting just robbed of pure entertainment of watching him in college. That's, that's I, it. That's, that's it. I agree. And we, we were also kind of robbed of watching John Morant in college, weren't we? Because Murray State was never on TV. We watched the tournament games and we watched what you could, but – He's a really special player, and I know we both have him going number two to the Grizzlies. I'm really excited about what John Morant can do in the NBA. It, again, this is going to be really funny. I agree. John Morant's going to be – he has the talent to be a extremely successful point guard in the NBA, and we're never going to see it. He's going to one team that's never on TV. So, right, so, so he was never on TV in college, and now he's never on TV in the NBA. Yeah. Unbelievable. But if you if you go get the NBA package, tune into some Grizzlies games because John Morant could play, and there's just gonna be you're you're gonna see highlights on Twitter all the time because that guy is a baller. It's gonna be a home run pick for the Grizzlies, and hopefully they can uh, build around them to to be successful so we can see him and play in the playoffs one day. As long as he gets out of Memphis, he'll be in the playoffs one day. Yep. Another guy who could be in the playoffs next year is Mike Conley. I'm really intrigued what the Grizzlies do with him. He's obviously going to get traded with Morant coming in. The Pacers, the Jazz, maybe Minnesota, maybe the Knicks if they need to fill their cap space. The Heat, there's a lot of teams that Conley can fit, and I'm really intrigued where he goes. Yeah, I, I would love to go see him be on the Pacers, and Morant's obviously an easy person to fill in for him if he gets traded. I I hope that's a draft day trade because I think, you know, maybe, you know, a team like the Heat trades like 13 for him and maybe a player or two to, to go get him. So you never know. Or the Pacers could do the same thing with uh, their pick. Uh, where are they at? The, like 18, 18 yeah. I so, like, you have no idea. Hopefully it's a draft day trade because draft day trades are fun. They're a blast. For the Knicks at number three, I believe we are in agreement on this pick as well, correct? Correct. And this is a home run pick. It is a home run pick. Taking R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett was the number one high school player in 2018. And for a long time during this college basketball season, I tried to convince people, I tried to convince myself, that I would take Barrett number one over Zion. 
Zion made that a little bit difficult with his incredible performances. But R.J. Barrett is still a really, really good player, and I'm really excited to add him to the Knicks' young nucleus with Knox and Mitchell Robinson. And the one thing I need to get off my chest is I'm tired of people bashing the Knicks and hating on the Knicks that they lost the lottery. The Knicks defied the odds and got the number three pick. They weren't supposed to win the lottery, even though they had the worst record. So they still get number three. They still get R.J. Barrett. He's not Zion. But it's something, and I also, I'm tired of this. The Knicks got nothing for Chris Axe Porzingis. Porzingis was never going to play another game for the Knicks. He hated the franchise. He threatened to go to Europe. They traded him, and they got rid of the albatross contract and player of Tim Hardaway Jr. They got rid of Courtney, and they got two future picks. So whatever happens with the Knicks with the cap space, whether they get the rent or not, whatever happens, I'm really excited as a Knicks fan because I think R.J. Barrett's a stud. And I can't wait to see what this young team does. I don't think they'll be a playoff team. We'll see what they do at the cap space. But I'm excited to see Barrett grow with the Knicks. RJ Barrett is just a player the Knicks can be excited about. Because it's been a long time since a Knicks, the Knicks drafted a player that you can immediately be excited about. When they drafted Przingis, they weren't really – they weren't. You guys weren't that excited when you. Got oh no! Them. Nobody so, was excited about Porzingis right. because you wanted an American exactly. college player. Right, and <laughs> I mean Kevin Knox was a good player. It wasn't a sexy pick, but R.J. Barrett. I mean, this is number one guy out of high school, and the only reason why he's falling to number three is because there's two amazing players, and it's not because he busted in college that he's going to number three. He played so 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 well for Duke. There was rarely a time where he had a bad game. This guy, I think, is a superstar in the making for the Knicks. And I think this is going to be the start to change your franchise around. I hope so. The Knicks have a really horrible, horrible history of drafting. I've documented it on MikeDropSports.com, the two decades of misery and three decades of misery with second-round picks. But the thing with the Knicks and their first-round picks that I must call out because it's one of my favorite stats the Knicks drafted Charlie Ward in 1994. Charlie Ward is the last Knicks first-round pick to sign a second contract. That's absurd. So hopefully R.J. Barrett's as good as advertised, and hopefully he signs a second contract with the Knicks when time comes because it's been a very, very long time. So the the Pelicans are really on the clock in more ways than one because I think this is the consensus one through three. Number four, now the Pelicans have the Lakers pick, and this is where the draft really starts, and this is where anything can happen. And I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I'll let you go first because I'm really not sure what's going to happen. Who do you have going number four now to the Pelicans? Yep, I agree. The draft starts here, and this is, this is a hard pick for me. And I'm making this pick with the idea that the Pelicans are keeping Lonzo Ball. So they're going to have Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday in the backcourt. So that is a pretty good backcourt. So I don't think they need to draft a guy like Darius Garland or Kobe White. And I, and then they have Brandon Ingram. And I, so I don't think DeAndre Hunter fits in this either, even though he's a great defender and maybe a young team can use that. But what they can use is a stretch four. And that's exactly what Jared Culver is. So I think Jared Culver is going to be the perfect fit for a team that's going to want to get up and down the floor really fast with Zion. And they're going to need a guy who can rebound great and can shoot. And obviously, you know, DeAndre Andrew can do that. So I was flipping between Hunter and Culver. But I'm going to go with Jared Culver here just because he's got a little bit more length than DeAndre Hunter. I flip between a lot of guys. Culver, to me, DeAndre Hunter and Culver are like four slash five on my big board. I can't. It's hard to choose between the two of them. And then you have the point guards, Darius Garland, Kobe White, Cam Reddish. A lot of people are suddenly high on him because maybe they'll take him to pair him with Zion. I'm going to go with sort of a wild card pick here. I'm going to go with Darius Garland because I think ultimately one of two things are going to happen. I think Lonzo Ball is going to get traded or I think this pick is going to get traded. I think the Suns, and the Bulls are very interested in this pick, and they want Garland. There's rumors that the Hawks might move up. It wouldn't be for Garland. It would be for Culver. 
I'm not sure that this pick is going to stay with the Pelicans. And even if it does, Garland can add depth. I don't know. I'm going with Garland at four under the assumption that the Pelicans are not going to keep the pick. But one thing I do want to say about Garland is more college kids should play four games in a season because if he is a top five or six pick, we have no idea what this kid is. He was a highly highly rated high school player who played four games for Vanderbilt. And for some reason, he's projected to be a top five pick. Uh, He was in the final running to go to IU. I was really (laughs) mad. Obviously, I don't share injuries. It sucks. But I wanted to see this kid play. And in the four games that he played, if you go look at his box scores for those four games, he was a beast. I think he scored 20 in every single one of them. Yeah, I mean, he looked great in the four games. It's just it's weird to me to pick a guy based off the four games. But here I have him going number four. Um, I mentioned that Hunter and Culver is such a difficult decision for me. But at number five of the Cavs, I'm going with DeAndre Hunter. I love his – he has a high IQ, three-point shooting, defense. He just – he feels like a prototypical John Beeline player to me. I agree with that. And I have DeAndre Hunter here as well. The Cavs have a lot of holes to fill. And with DeAndre Hunter and his unique skill set, obviously, you know, he's one player, but you can, this is the kind of guy that you were able to sort of build around. Colin Sexton started showing some life in, in the season before. So it's like now you have Colin Sexton, if they do get DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Love, it's like you're starting to now maybe form a little bit of an identity here now. And I think DeAndre Hunter fills in really nicely. Definitely. And then number six, the Suns have needed a point guard for two years now. There are two point on your draft board. There are now two point guards available. Please tell me the Suns are going to take a point guard at number six. I have them taking Darius Garland. You even mentioned where at four you're putting in there because you are thinking that a possible trade with either the Pelicans trading Lonzo, and then I would that would make sense for me with Darius Garland filling in there because. That, that then it opens up a slot for them to be a guard. But then you also mentioned the Suns are interested in taking him. So I do have the Suns taking Darius Garland here over Kobe White just because, I don't know, everyone loves Darius Garland. And, but, I mean, obviously he's had a lot of time to recover. He's been going through these workouts, and the Suns are enamored with him from what I've read. And they're going to be jumping for joy at six when he's available there. Yeah, and I think it's also possible that he can go – yeah, like I said, I think he might end up going four. They're talking about moving T.J. Warren or Josh Jackson. Maybe that's the piece that they move to get up to four. But whether the Suns stay – if the Suns stay at six and Garland is gone, I have them taking Jared Culver and passing on a point guard again. There are a lot of free agent point guards, and I think a veteran point guard might be more enticing to new coach Monty Williams than a rookie. You pair a veteran with DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker, and the Suns could be in business. And at this point in my draft, with Garland gone, and I know that they need to fill that point guard need, but Jared Culver is the best player available at this point, and I have him going number six to the Suns. As crazy as it sounds. It's crazy, but the Suns are crazy. So you you never know with with that. But then we're both in agreement here at number seven. And I think, you know, the Bulls fans were like, oh, seven's so underwhelming. I think Kobe White at seven is the perfect guy for this franchise to pair up with Zach Levine in the backcourt. Just a superstar scorer who can get up and down the court fast enough. The Bulls want to play fast. And the guy's just fun. Well, it's underwhelming because it's their third year picking number seven. They got Larry Markin in two years ago and Waldo Carter last year. So it's their third straight year with the number seven pick. So don't blame them for being a little bit underwhelmed. Um, I wish I could find this guy on Twitter, but I had a huge argument last summer that somebody was telling me that Chris Dunn is a top 10 point guard and he's the reason why the Bulls were going to make the playoffs last year. Obviously, the Bulls stunk and Chris Dunn is terrible. So it's time to end that experiment. Kobe White is the guy here unless they can get Garland. Bulls absolutely have to get a point guard. And even if they draft Kobe White, I still think they should go pursue a guy like Patrick Beverly or some kind of veteran point guard in free agency and just move on from Chris Dunn. They definitely need to to get a veteran. Uh, I mean, Zach Levine's a great scorer, but he's a true two, not a not a one. And then you they made a great trade that we talked about that we kind of liked. They got out of Porter. 
So a really good uh, two-way player now under contract for for a few more years. Laurie Markkinen is really developing into a good player. I think Wendell Carter has a nice future as a role player on them. So if you can get in a guy like Kobe White and then sign another veteran like Patrick Beverly, the Bulls are starting to build a roster here when they really didn't have much a couple of years ago. And so it, I could definitely foresee myself going to more Bulls games soon if this roster comes to fruition a little bit. Yeah, it'll be interesting what they do in free agency. And I think Kobe White would just be such a major upgrade and such a great pick for this team. The Hawks pick at eight. They also pick 10 and 17. They have three first-round picks. This is a team with Trey Young, with John Collins and Kevin Huerter. They have a really strong young nucleus. So who do you think they add to that nucleus at eight? And they just added – who did they trade? Did they trade for Alan Crabb? And they got Alan Crabb for one year. They Basically, they got the number 17 pick to take on Alan Krebs' contract for one year because you know that they're not going to yep. sign free agents. Yep, and I, I like that trade. So for me, it Trey Young, I everyone thought Luka Doncic was going to run away with the uh, rookie of the year. Trey Young, what he did in the second half of last year was what he did in his like in ridiculous run uh, when he was amazing at Oklahoma before he like lost some steam and teams sort of figured him out. He had one of the most uh, – he blew my mind. I had him on my fantasy team, and he was doing those monster double-doubles again. And so this guy needs guys to spread the floor and keep him open. I think this is the perfect spot for Cam Reddish. Obviously, I thought Cam Reddish underwhelmed that Duke, but I think, you know, in the NBA, things are more spread out. I think Cam Reddish is going to be open a lot more, especially with the guy like Trey Young playing. I think this is going to be a great landing spot for Cam Reddish. I I fully agree. I think it's a great landing spot for him. I have him there as well. I think he's going to be a huge piece to add to help expedite this rebuild even further. And the number nine is such a fascinating pick because I have no idea what the Wizards are doing. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't have a general manager yet. They they're operating with an interim. They so, they don't know. <laughs> John Wall is going to miss all of 2019-20 most likely with an Achilles injury from last year and Bradley Beal's an all-star. They may or may not trade him. I think it's worth building around him, but they might just blow the whole thing up. I don't know that there's a major star to expedite their rebuild here at nine. I have this year a little, I think there's something about UNC and Roy Williams. I don't think Roy Williams enjoys one and done players. I don't know why he recruited this year a little, but I don't think Nasir Little ever fit into Carolina's program. And I think when he has a little bit more freedom and flexibility in the NBA, I think he'll develop into a much better player. So I have him going nine. I do like Nasir Little, and I agree with you. He did not fit that Carolina team. But with the unknown Wizards, I'm putting in an unknown player here. (laughs) There is a lot of excitement. I, I spent like a half hour today on Twitter. I should have learned how to pronounce his name. I did not do that. But I, I did learn how to spell his name, at least. But I'm going to go with the pronunciation, and I'm sure it's wrong. Siku Dubumuye. I am going to say he's here. This guy is really lengthy. He can shoot the three. He's got a really nice touch. And this is the kind of guy who can be maybe like the next Giannis. And just from his size and his talent and his rawness. And I think this is... You know, in a weird time for the Wizards, you might as well take a weird player just because now this is really where the draft opens up. There's a lot of good players, but it's like any player can fit anywhere now on these teams. So it's going to be really hard to get these picks right in our mocks going forward. But I just think the Wizards, they have to take a chance. And Sika Duboyme could be maybe the steal of this draft if it comes to fruition that he is next Giannis. It, yeah, I, people underestimate these Europeans because you don't see them play. You don't know how to say their names. So uh, Giannis turned out pretty well. Ultimately, Kristaps Porzingis turned out pretty well, despite the misery of Knicks fans at the time. Then obviously a guy like Frankie Lakina has turned out horribly. So these guys really are boomer bust. And we don't know what Washington's plan is. So it's a very intriguing pick, a really high potential pick. 
also the potential to completely flop. And you're right. It's hard to get these box drafts right because there's so many guys that are interchangeable and that are so comparable at so many different positions. It's also hard because of all the trades. So the Hawks pick again at number 10. I don't think the Hawks are going to pick three rookies. I think they're trying to expedite their rebuild a little bit. I don't know if it's 10 or 17 that they kind of punt away, but assuming they keep the 10th pick, I have them taking Jackson Hayes. Every time I watched him play at Texas, he dominated. And I think he'd be a great fit on that team down low. He'd be a good fit next to John Collins, and he could replace Dwayne Dedman. I agree. I have Jackson Hayes here as well. We had the Hawks both taking Cam Reddish, so you have a shooter. So now you've got, uh, if this all comes to fruition, you got Trey Young who can shoot to ship at the ball. You got Cam Reddish, you got Alan Crabb, and you got Kevin Herter. So you got four really, really good shooters who so can spread the floor, and then you got John Collins down low, who I really like. But John Collins sort of played out of position a little bit. I think he's really, you know, a four versus a five. Jackson Hayes comes in and could be a true five and really make this team a little bit whole and obviously young. So I think it's, he's a natural fit here if they do keep this pick. I want them to keep this pick because I, I like Trey Young. I like where maybe this Hawks direction is going, and I want to see them just keep building with a young team. But obviously with, you know, this pick here at 10, that's a value pick. They might be able to get a veteran here at for the 10th pick. Definitely. And they got this pick because of the Trey Young trade. Everybody, myself included, I will absolutely raise my hand about this. I killed the Hawks for that trade because I was obsessed with Luka Doncic and I wasn't that high on Trey Young. So kudos to the Hawks for sticking with their guns. They moved back two spots. They came away with Trey Young and this 2019 pick, which turned into number 10. So whether it's Jackson Hayes, whether it's somebody else, whether it's flipped for a veteran, Hawks have a lot of flexibility to make some news, to make some moves. And in a wide open Eastern Conference, they could suddenly sneak into the playoffs next year. Yeah, you never know. A team that stuck out of the playoffs, the Wolves ended a long playoff drought last season. And this season, they kind of regressed a little bit back to their norm. They pick 11. I have really Hachimura going here. I don't have a logical reason for it. He just seems like a good fit, good scorer. He can rebound, high percentage shooter. He just seems like the kind of guy that could help get the Wolves back on track and back into the playoffs. He's a good fit. I, I debated here. I'm going with the guy who you just had a couple rounds before. Uh, I got Nasir Little. I think Nasir Little comes in. Is, he's going to play really hard. He's going to help Carl Anthony Towns on the rebounding front as well and just another big body in there. Um, I think he's going to be a nice complimentary piece uh, for a roster that has some talent there, they just have to figure out their ways a little bit. The Hornets have the 12th pick, and they have a really, really rough history of drafting. I wrote about this on Mike Drop Sports, and I'm just going to read off a couple of things. 2018, they drafted Shai Gilgis-Alexander. They traded him immediately for Miles Bridges, who maybe Bridges will be good, but Gilgis-Alexander was awesome. In 2017, they took Malik Monk at 11. 13 was Donovan Mitchell. In 2015, they took Frank Kaminsky, 9. The 10th pick was Justice Winslow. The 11th pick was Miles Turner. The 13th pick was Devin Booker. They took your boy Noah Vonley, 9, and Zach Levine went 13 in 2014. They just, it's been a really, really rough go. And in 2012, they took Michael Kidd Gilchrist, 2, and Bradley Beal was 3. Damon Lillard was 6. So, I don't know what the what the horns are going to do. They always seem to screw it up, but I'm going with kind of an off the radar pick here. Kevin Porter from USC. I've watched this kid play a lot. He's got a ton of potential. And from what I've read and from what I've been seeing, scouts kind of rank this guy anywhere from the lower half of the lottery to the bottom half of the first round. There's a wide range of reports on him. And there's something about what the Hornets have done with their history of drafting that, Leads me to believe that they're going to go with the high-potential guy of Kevin Porter. It's possible. That would sort of almost make sense with, you know, the Hornets' <laughs> forte of what they've done is take sort of an unknown guy. For me, I think they have a, a perfect situation here. Uh, you, you just had Ruchi, Rui Huchimara uh, go the, round of, uh, the, draft, the pick before. I'm having Huchimara here now because I think Hachimura is – 
exactly what Nicholas Batum was back in the day when he was healthy. A really uh, lengthy okay. kind of three. Guy can shoot, score from anyone on the court, defend, rebound. And I think he's that same player. I think he's he's really versatile. And I kind of like him here on this this Hornets team. And uh, so I, I think it's a fun spot for him here. You think the Hornets have any reserve, any reservation about taking a guy from Gonzaga? Uh, because of Adam Morrison? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, the, the Hornets don't learn from their mistakes. So it wouldn't surprise me if they go and take a Gonzaga guy after betting on Adam Morrison, you know, years back. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I like Rui here. Yeah. No, it's like, a, like you said, all these picks make sense. I mean, there's almost no wrong answer. With these picks, it's really such a fascinating draft. Another fascinating element to it is the Heat at 13. A rare lottery appearance for them. Who'd you have at 13? So you mentioned it. <laughs> We're like <laughs> one pick off, like like everything. I have them taking Kevin Porter here. I wow. okay. I do. I, I, I'm buying into this hype where he's going to be top of the lottery. This kid went to USC. The Pac-12 kind of stunk, but this kid kind of went under the radar and played really well and this just he feels like a heat player i think the the, he just can mesh in with this team that's trying to find its identity as well and he he, he's gonna be a solid scorer i I really do see that and and i think the heat are gonna take a chance here yeah no i i'm going to agree that kevin porter will be a lottery pick despite some of the you know some of the, the questions and the concerns about him I'm going to make you happy. I'm going to, take, I'm going to say that the Heat are taking Romeo Langford. They need playmakers. Deion Waiters might be on the way out. They need scorers. I'm not sure if he goes this high, but quite honestly, I wanted to give you the chance to talk about your boy. So let's go. Talk about him. How would he fit the Heat? I don't know. I, <laughs> I am I'm so sour on Romeo Langford. I shouldn't be sour. I, I know he's hurt. And I don't know if 